T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. The owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream because you have to be asleep to believe it. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international depression. Mark Reardon. So in the words of my late friend Aretha Franklin, show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T. This is the Mark Reardon Show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, as we get rolling here for a Tuesday edition of the show. We are loaded, loaded up. Sue Thomas is in the house. How are you this afternoon? I am fine, thank you. How about you? I'm pretty good. It's kind of gloomy. Yeah, you know? I don't love that. Kind of a gloomy. I don't like it either. I, I really don't. Fan. Had um, no opportunity to do anything outside, although this is just that, you know, it's just that time of year, and I was looking at the forecast, it's going to start to get really cold in the mornings again, so Yay. it is what it is, Yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we got a lot to get to, but let me... Um, let me kind of start here with the elephant in the room with a fellow broadcaster, and that's Dan McLaughlin. I just want to address this briefly because he's a friend. I consider him a friend, and I think he's a great broadcaster. There is absolutely no doubt that this is a major F-up, yes. a major, major F-up. I'm pretty pretty sure Dan recognizes that. Oh, sure. Um, for those people who don't know, this apparently was a third DUI. It happened on Sunday, I mean, the story, some of the story doesn't really completely make sense to me, but there were some people who saw him swerving, apparently, yes. on 270 on Ledoux Road. But then there was also something about being outside of a house somewhere. That's, had, yes. That's the part that confused me a little bit. It sounded like he was uh, pulled over. Well, uh, you know, Perhaps I don't know what the consequences are going to be. Obviously, this happened 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. this is the third, so they hit him with this other charge, right? Persistent DUI. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, first and foremost, as much empathy I have for a friend is somebody could have been killed here. Like, yes, he, he could have killed himself. himself. Right, exactly. Yes. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm minimizing no. what happened on the road. And, and you know, the, I think the thing that gets repeated over and over again with um, with someone like Dan in particular, and I'm guessing Dan realizes this, is that especially now, I you know, I took that Uber the other night, right, from the pageant. And I was talking to the guy about that, and I don't even drink, right? Mm-hmm. But I said, look, you, and, and I did stupid things when I was drinking, and I was driving. I, the only thing that was fortunate is I was in Columbia, Missouri, and whether or not this is a good way to rationalize it or not, but I wasn't driving very far because Columbia is so, so you know, small, and it's a tight-knit community. That, I know that's not saying, to offer but an excuse, but right. I'm just telling you, you know, these kids these days, they have Uber, and I yeah. know that it costs money, but people of means— 
have money. The other thing I know is I know alcoholism because I haven't mm-hmm. had a drink since 1990, and I had devastating, you know, behavior consequences in the 1980s. That finally, you know, the chickens came home to roost, and I decided to put it all down in um, in 1990. But Let so me- I, it's it's I don't minimize the alcoholism either because I know how that grabs a hold of you. Sure. Here's the question. Did he have to get clean the first two times? In other words, was he sober for a while in there? Yeah. I and th- his back slid. That's yeah, what this I think, was. I think that he, he definitely, for a while, he had quit drinking. I mean, I don't know all the particulars. Mm. Here's what I know. And again, this is going to sound a little bit like an excuse as well, but I'm just going to toss it out there because I've thought about this. I do think that, um, not an excuse, all right, bear with me here, being on the road, 100 days a year, whatever it is, 80, 80 days out of the year, you're away from your family, you're in a hotel, you go to a ballpark, you come back. And I don't think that that's a lifestyle that is best for someone with an addiction problem, unfortunately. It probably makes things Why, just worse. being away from home? Well, being away from home and you're not you're you're not with your family. You're in a hotel room. What do you have to do? You're playing poker with other people, right? With other broadcasters. You're hanging out at the bar with uh, broadcasters or players. Look, I come from an era in in broadcasting and in life where in the 1980s, I've mentioned this before. I would hang around some of the Cardinals players just because I had peripheral friendships, and these were players they got hammered the night before they would play. That was very common, I think, in the 60s, the 70s. I think a lot of these players may still do some of this today, but um, I think they're a lot more careful with it. And nutrition and fitness is such an important part of athleticism. It wasn't back then. On the other hand, too, they could watch out for you. And if you are having an issue, they could have your back. And currently, there is no season. So that's when he was out driving and, and drinking. Look, again, I know so, it sounds like an excuse. That's why I said I don't want it to sound like an excuse. I hope that he gets, um, he gets better now. Yeah. What, what happens to him as a as a broadcaster? I don't know. I think a lot of people are making the assumption that this would maybe end his TV career with Bally. I don't know that that's the case. I don't I mean, know. You, you had a situation the last time it happened. He was suspended. I mm-hmm. think they said indefinitely, and that mm-hmm. ended to be three or four months. I, I, could, see, I could see a scenario where... Bally and obviously the Cardinals are involved here. They say, um, you know, this is it. We have to move. I can also see six month, maybe a year suspension. I I don't know. So I I really don't know. That's going to be something they have to decide. I wonder if they will take his driver's license, which I would think at some point would become. And he can certainly get rides wherever he's got to go. We'll have to see. The thing that's frustrating, and every state's law is different, but one of the things that's frustrating about these DUI laws and, you know, people listening right now who have had family members who unfortunately have been injured or hurt or killed or whatever, they know this. Sometimes it's these repeat drunk drivers, and I can't remember what the specifics of the law are in Missouri, but I know in other states you you see, and I think we've had this here too, five, six, seven, you know, DUIs, and then something really bad happens. mm -hmm. So again, nothing really bad happened here, so that's a good thing. The other thing that he, he actually might be facing, and I don't think a lot of people would be opposed to this, there may be some shock time involved. You know, because it's the third time it's a felony. Will he go for five days or 10 or 15 days to jail? I, I, don't I know. think that's a possibility when it comes to the punishment. But uh, I love the guy as a friend and I really, really respect him as a broadcaster. I'm sure he's having one of the worst days he's ever had oh. in his life. And I, I, I reached out and he responded just briefly thanking me because I just said, look, I'm supporting you as a friend and sending love. That's all I'm doing, um, and he's going to have to deal with some things. So we'll we'll certainly follow that uh, along. I think it 
you know, it's a it's a tricky, very, very it tough is. situation. It really is. Um, let's see here. I got a lot of other stuff that I got to get to. Let me talk about, just because we're talking about that, and, and this is a little bit of a weird story, but I'm going to tie it in with something. I just saw this for the first time a few minutes ago. There was a, a guy from Wildwood. This just came on the Post-Dispatch website about an hour ago. Um, the, it was a tour. Maybe they were updating the story. Did you hear about the tourist that was killed in New Orleans? No. Okay, 73-year-old guy. His name is David Clifford Sorensen. He's a financial advisor from Wildwood. He's down in New Orleans with his wife at the Avenue Plaza Hotel. And the way the story reads is a stranger burst into their room and fatally beat him what? on December 1st. He was rushed to the hospital where he died. So this happened just last week on Thursday. Police arrested Martin Hurtado, 29, in the room. He's charged with second-degree murder. He's being held at the Orleans Parish office. Um, he was the owner, David Sorensen was the order of Sorensen Financial in Ellisville. Court documents said that Sorensen's wife told officers she and her husband were sleeping in their hotel room 612 and were awakened by a fire alarm. The wife heard a knock at the door and opened it. A man later identified as Hurtado pushed her into the room and said, I'm not here. Don't tell anyone I'm here. Oh, boy. She ran into the bathroom and saw Hurtado punching her husband. He was arrested in the hotel bathroom. He apparently worked at Tacos and Beer, a restaurant near the hotel. The station said that he remembered drinking at work earlier that day, but nothing after that. I mean, what what the <sighs> hell happened here, Right. That's just bizarre. It's very bizarre, and it's very sad. And this is another one I'm going to kind of wind in. Is the guy okay? I mean, are the chest of the St. Louisan? No, he's dead. Oh, you're... No, he died. Yeah, no, he died. He he was taken to the the hospital, and he passed away from the injuries. And then I'm going to tie it in here with with this story, just because I think it's horrific. And I said this to... um, to Abby earlier, imagine that you had a grandpa that was just trying to make a few extra bucks or do something to fill the time and working at the Home Depot. You've heard about this story? No. Awful. This guy, 83 years old. Where did this happen here? Hold on, because this one this one was not around Is this local? Oh, no, good. This is in Atlanta, I think. I don't know why Hang that's any better. Well, but... it's not. 82-year-old guy who works at... Um, Home Depot. So what happened was, I'm sorry. Okay, this is Hillsborough, North Carolina. I apologize. I couldn't find where this was. He's at the Home Depot. Somebody robs the Home Depot. He like tries to rip off some stuff in a hooded sweatshirt. And he's running past this man, and uh, the guy tries to stop him. This is all on video. You can see this. Basically, he's just running out of the store. The guy's in the you know the outdoor area where they have all the fertilizer oh, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. The gardening and stuff. He um he just pushes him down, and he must hit his head the wrong way. I mean, Sue, unfortunately, I can show you the video because it's just right here, and you'll see what happens is the guy. It's a very short video if I can get it to play. Well, it's not playing right now, no. but you basically know. He he pushes him. So the 82-year-old gets in his way to try to stop him, and yeah. he just shoves him down? He shoves him down. He hits his head. They don't oh. have the suspect. He fled the scene in a four-door Honda. You would hope that you know someone's going to identify this guy because that's a horrific story. Here's uh, Jeff Razor. This is his um, son, the guy who died. This is his father who died. My dad was... Uh... Uh, just trying to do a job. Now he's now he's no no longer with us. It's uh, paramount to me and my family that we find this uh, particular person and that he uh, uh, receives the justice he so richly deserves. I I mean, wow. Oh. So that that's a sad sad story. And since I'm doing all the um, all kind of the the weird stuff here, let me let me get to a couple of these things because. Uh, <laughs> 
I don't even know. Sometimes I hear these things and I don't even know what to make of it. But this is one of them. This is, um, you know, libs of TikTok, they've gotten in trouble because they're a satire site, right? They put up some things to, to mock liberals when they see clips out there, either on TikTok or some of the other social media sites. So this is a, I don't know if this, she describes herself here as a LGBTQ activist and a trans person who is trying to, <laughs> it's going to sound like we're making this up. She's trying to train her family on how to use her pronouns. Okay, you got that? Got it. Imagine you're in the family. Your niece comes back home for Christmas, something like that. I'm trans. Don't call me she, her. I'm he, him. Something along those lines. Here's here's my update on how I clicker trained my family to get my correct pronouns now that I'm a trans person. Um, So first of all, a lot of people are asking what treat I was using. Um, If you don't know, for circus dogs, when they do something that we like, we click that behavior and then we give them a treat. Wait, are you you kidding me? I don't know if you heard what she said. She's doing clicker training. Just like you would with a dog. She, she, she describes it. This goes on. So she's clicker training. How is this not going to be audio cut of the day in a couple hours, right? Um, I did not use it as a positive marker like that for uh, my family because I'm not going to treat them for basic human decency. I instead used it as a negative marker. So every time they said she, I would click so that they would start to associate the click with a she in their head and would start to automatically self-correct. Um I forgot to take into account the fact that I have an auditory processing disorder and live oh, at like course. a 15 second delay from everybody and everything else. So that explains it all. She has a 15 second delay from everybody else. So the clicker training was thrown off here. Oh, that's a And shame. so um, I wasn't able to click as much as I wanted to. So it wasn't super effective on that aspect. I think I'm going to need a new invention that counteracts auditory processing Let's in order so. to get that right. Yes. But... I did explain to them what this was for and why I was doing it, and then I carabinered it to my hip at all times. And I definitely had several occasions where a family member would start to say something, look at it, pause, and then purposefully gender me correctly. And that happened at least three or four times. So it was effective, but not entirely. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a real person. That is an actual human being. And I guess... In these situations, my hope is, and I, I think that this might actually be true, because I don't care what you are. I really don't. I don't care if you want to be trans, no. you, whatever you want to do. Whatever. Right? But I think that there are trans people, and I know that there are lesbian and gay people who would hear that, and they would laugh just as hard as me. Because it's funny. It Because it's just ridiculous. Yes. It is utterly ridiculous. Now- this is funny, too, and this ties in. I mentioned uh, Libs of TikTok. So the Babylon Bee is another great site. It's like I think I've described it it's as great. the modern-day onion, right? So it's it's a site that mocks all things out there, uh, and they're pretty good at what they do. So there was a—I don't know where this took place, but this is a symposium. And this guy's in the news right now, Uriel Roth, who is the content editor for Twitter. We have the Attorney General of Missouri, soon-to-be Senator Eric Schmidt, coming on. He took this um, this deposition with Fauci and also with these guys from Twitter, two separate stories, but sort of related on some of the misinformation online. So Uriel Roth is talking about this decision to ban the Babylon Bee. So this is like tantamount, right? This is tantamount to let's say that Republicans ruled the media, right? Which will never ever happen. But let's say that they didn't like something that SNL did. Right? Yeah, we just ban we it. We just ban it. Yeah. We just take it off the air. So here's here's this discussion, which is utterly ridiculous as well. Okay, Babylon B, which is what got him to buy the thing, I think. 
That's the that's the, the one which is which was not particularly funny. The Babylon Bee's Man of the Year is Rachel Levine. <laughs> not funny. Actually, kind of funny. It's good really, funny. and if it's not funny, if it's not a gut, gut punch, you know, sometimes things are sharp. They're they're sharply. You know, funny. In other words, that's satire. That's the very definition of satire. You have, and by the way, it's just so offensive to women. You've got someone who has a penis who is woman of the year. That's what they were trying to highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and you can. I didn't agree they should have taken that down. But go ahead. You know, it's interesting. uh, It's interesting to think about what the competing tensions around that are. And I want to start by acknowledging that. Um, the targeting and the victimization of the trans community on Twitter is very real, very life-threatening, and extraordinarily serious. Um, we have seen from a number of Twitter accounts, including libs of TikTok notably, that there are orchestrated campaigns that particularly are singling out a group that is already particularly vulnerable within society. All right, so let me address that right now. There are stupid people and threats, death threats. I have conservative lawmakers who get threats. I've gotten threats over the years, so I don't support any of that. But let's not make it seem like it's just trans people who are targets on on Twitter. And And, and for him to cite the Babylon Bee or Libs of TikTok, again, these are satirical sites. So I guess they don't... this, This makes me feel even better that you know, these guys are gone from Twitter. And so, yeah, not only is it not funny, but it is dangerous and it does contribute to an environment that makes people unsafe in the world. So let's start from a premise that it's up. No, let's not start from that premise. Let's start from the premise that this is free speech and it's protected. And if you don't like it, trans person or otherwise, you get off Twitter. You can do that. There's no requirement that you have to be on Twitter. But then... Again, let, let's look at what Twitter's written policies are. Twitter's written policies prohibit misgendering, full stop. And the Babylon Bee, in the name of satire, misgendered Admiral Rachel Levine. All right, so let, let's just say that the misgendering thing overall, shut up. Yes. Really? I don't want to hear misgendering. Come on. That, that's like, look, I, I mentioned this yesterday. Kyle Rittenhouse, who was found not guilty by a jury in Kenosha, he's had death threats hurled at him. He put the yes. screen captures up yesterday. Here's the difference. This guy, Uriel, and Jack Dorsey and all the rest of them, they don't care about that. Nope. They only care about the protected class, which is LGBTQ and the lefties. That's mm-hmm. all they care about. Anything else? Christians, forget it. We're not going to protect you. It's utterly ridiculous, and thank God Elon Musk is here to save us from some of this nonsense. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Tomorrow on the show, and this situation in Idaho continues to be baffling and very interesting. And we'll have uh, Paul Morrow, who's there in Idaho tomorrow on the show. Also, Katie Hub from, I'm sorry, Katie Tubb from Heritage will be with us. We have the roundtable set for Friday. Jane will be here. Mike Elam from the St. Charles County Council and State Rep Donna Berenger all on the panel on Friday. In the next hour, Kilmeade's going to join us. We are sold out for our event at the MAC on Friday night. I know he's looking forward to it. We don't have any snow in the forecast. That's good because that there's is good. a tight travel schedule. Yes. So we'll uh, we'll chat with Brian in the uh, in the next hour. We have the Attorney General Eric Schmidt in the five o'clock hour. Plus audio cut of the day. Our friend Charles Lipson back with us, Professor Emeritus of Political Science at the University of Chicago. He writes for Real Clear Politics, Spectator World, and Wall Street Journal. Charles, welcome back. How are you this afternoon? Thank you. I want to compliment uh, <clears throat> your session on advertising that uh, food donation. Uh, program where you're getting people together. I heard the ad uh, just well, nice. before I came on. Well, good. I want to say something that uh, obviously is just a wonderful thing. It's a sad thing that people need it. But I want to say something that I think people may not realize. Th- that sort of thing just doesn't happen in other countries. Well, that yeah, that's, that's it, a good it's point. It's unique. It's yeah. American. Yeah. We don't get credit for stuff like that. I mean, here's that's, the here's the thing. To say it, yeah, that's I've, why I wanted to underscore it. Right, it's what we call civil civil society. It's the same thing that when neighbors went out and raised a barn after a neighbor's barn got blown over or burned down. This is an American tradition, and it's wonderful to see your station pitching in on it. Well, I'll kind of expand that to um, you know, rich people take a lot of grief and they take a lot of hits. And I, I, I'm not a rich person, Charles, but I know a fair amount of rich people. I have some rich friends. We and- were discussing that flying on your plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but I bring it up because the people that I know that that have means, they're the most generous people that I know. I mean, they they give to all kinds of charities and organizations. They they go well beyond. Uh, you know, above and beyond because they have the ability to do that. So I think that's important to point out as well. I have a a student who, um, he came from Greece, but I don't think it was unique uh, about Greece. And he was saying, you know, that his mother was talking to her relatives back in Greece, and she was talking about volunteering, I think, at a food bank. And they they said, well, what do they pay you? And she said, well, nothing. Uh, I volunteer there. And they said, they just couldn't comprehend it. I mean, it was just beyond their idea uh, that they could comprehend that you would just volunteer like that. So I think it's a wonderful kind of American tradition. Sad we need it, but we often do, and people do it all the time. They volunteer at hospitals. They volunteer to help kids uh, learn to read. They do all kinds of things. Well, let's talk about free speech and Twitter and Elon Musk. And I mentioned I have the Attorney General, Eric Schmidt, who is involved. In fact, um, his deposition of Dr. Fauci was just released yesterday, but they've also been talking to a lot of the folks at Twitter. And here's what that lawsuit is all about. Eric's going to explain it more in a couple hours. I think this is a story of the federal government with all of its vast power and authority colluding with some of the biggest companies in the history of the world to censor Americans, 
to uh, put their thumb on the scale, as you said, of what's out there, what people can actually read and know about before an election. And it ought to scare uh, the bejesus out of every American. I don't care what your political stripe is. I mean, this is out of some dystopian novel. So I would agree that it, it, it shouldn't matter what your political stripe is. But let's face it, the favoritism here when it comes to the, the edits and spiking of the stories and, you know, keeping things secret, that's only happening on one side, not both sides. Attorney General Schmidt is Exactly right. He nailed it. I want to draw a distinction. If um, if I called you up and said, uh, you know, Mark, we your your uh, broadcast is too conservative or it's too liberal or you're talking too much about this, and you agreed with me and we uh, and shifted uh, whatever you said. There's nothing you people could object to that, and they could particularly object to it if it was secret, but. We're both private, right? That's We're right. individuals, That's right. and your company is a private corporation. Nonprofits are private. Where this really crosses a line is when the government gets involved. Because even if the government, first of all, if the government, the government's job is to protect speech, not to suppress it. Secondly, even if they don't specifically say don't do this. They have so many resources. They're in such a position to help you or hurt you that you have to listen to what they're telling you. And it's very clear now that they were tilting uh, the playing field. So, you know, let me play this, too, because this is KJP trying to minimize this. The left-wing media is saying nothing to see here, basically. We see this as a, a an interesting or a coincidence, if I may, that uh, uh, that he would so haphazardly, uh, Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction. Uh, that is a that is a full of uh, old news, if you think about it. Um, and uh, at the same time, Twitter is facing very real and very serious questions uh, about the rising volume of anger, hate, and anti-Semitism on their platform, and uh, how they're letting it happen. And, uh, you know, the president said last week, more leaders need to speak out and reject this. And uh, it's a very alarming and very dangerous. You know, Charles, I think that Karine Jean-Pierre and the White House, the president, the vice president, on down the line, they, they're comfortable with saying those things because they know that they're not going to be challenged. I mean, Matt Taibbi is one thing, but most people don't know who he is. And, you know, they're going to be the way that CNN played this out over the weekend was just utterly embarrassing. But that's what they do. So most people are going to see this as, ah, Elon Musk's the bad guy. Look, this is just something that the Republicans are making hay out of nothing to see here. Yeah, and uh, the New York Times didn't run it at all. Neither did the Washington Post. They just they killed the story about killing the story. It was it, it verged on ludicrous. That's amazing. Um, and for uh, the White House press spokesman to be talking about distractions when what she was doing was holding up another important shiny object, which was uh, the rise of hate speech online. It's not as if there wasn't a lot of it already on Twitter. It just was not the kind of hate speech that seemed to bother her. Uh, What really seems... Initially, I thought that what really bothered the left about Twitter was that the free speech would mean that there would be a lot of... uh, discussion by the side that they don't like. Uh, And remember, what they did was they killed a story uh, by the 
fourth largest newspaper in the United States, the New York Post. That's right. That turned out to be correct. Yeah. But it turns out there's a second thing that that now bothers them, which is that under Musk, we now have all the back files of what the government was actually doing and what they were doing was unconscionable. Well, that that's the part now that I think we need to focus in on, because we've had so many questions in the past years about the FBI and how the Justice Department was, you know, working with this. I, that That's an important issue and it should not go away, even though The New York Times and The Washington Post are not going to pursue it. Uh, I give Matt Taibbi a lot of credit because I don't know, Charles, if you've been reading him recently, but he has been on a um, a big tear about how. This mainstream media is not doing its job, and they are picking sides. They're basing their stories on which jersey they're wearing. And these young editors and, and reporters across the country in newspapers, television stations, and I think to a lesser extent radio stations, are they're deciding, they're dictating the stories that are being told. Well, I, I think that's exactly right. I think it's a huge scandal, uh, and it's gotten worse and worse. And it's been encouraged, actually, by uh, the proliferation of channels. So what people do is pick a channel that already fits their views, and then they hear from it. What makes that sad is when you see that at CBS and NBC and uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times. I also want to draw the distinction between the editorial page, which ought to be free to say whatever it wants, and the news pages, which can bias the news both by what they include or exclude and by the way they frame the stories. And what I was saying about the New York Times and Washington Post is just killing an important story like this is an editorial judgment, and in my view, one they ought to be called out for. Well, it's basically, I mean, if you really think about it, this is why, and again, this kind of gets into the weeds. I never know how much the audience is aware of all the the nuance here with some of these things. But that's why Barry Weiss left the New York Times, because of the Tom Cotton editorial, where they refused to run an editorial by a United States senator. And she basically said, enough is enough. This is ridiculous. But even that. And she's been handed, by the way, she's also been handed the files. Uh, by Elon Musk. She's going to do what apparently is a long-form report on it. But I think that the underlying, uh, and that will have a big impact, I think, if she releases that kind of, that kind of information. Uh, there is one murky area here. Uh, we, there is certain kind of speech we don't allow. Well, leaving aside the kind of speech that obviously a direct threat, I will kill Mr. X, we don't allow that. But we also restrict certain speech about financial instruments. I promise you 20% a year income, you know, and, and medicine. Uh, I promise this pill will make you lose 30 pounds right away. You yeah, well, look, that. I'm regulated by some of that as a broadcaster, right? Right? Sure. right. But what I think you have is the CDC and others who've used their power uh, to regulate certain kind of medical speech to basically prevent a discussion of things that are, should be open to discussion, like where we still don't know where uh, the COVID uh, uh, virus originated. Was it manufactured and did it escape from a lab? Did it, you know, whatever. And and the U.S. government tried to suppress that discussion in social media fora. And, and that's simply wrong. And the people who did it should be called out
out for it. I don't know that what they did was illegal, but uh, we need to have better laws that make all of that transparent. Well, one of the reasons for that is that, let's face it, if you look back at the past couple of years, I can even use what's happening with Nancy Pelosi and, and her husband in, in that incident as an example. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist on that, but the lack of release of information is what leads to more conspiracies. So when, when you're and trying, they fired the one guy who seemed to report it. <laughs> yeah, Miguel Almagar from NBC. Well, I don't know if they suspended him. He's not been seen. He has not right. been seen since he did that story. He did nothing wrong. He actually reported. This is Cooper has been seen more often than that guy. Charles, he actually reported something that was absolutely factual. In fact, the TV station in San Francisco did the exact same story, and he gets suspended, and he's never. I don't know if we'll ever hear from the guy again. That's unbelievable that that's, there's that much collusion even in the media. Now, let's be honest. You know that Pelosi's office and the Democrats got involved in that. NBC runs it that morning on the Today Show. It's a live story. He's gone. They scrub it from the websites later in the day. That is really amazing when you think about it. It is absolutely amazing. But as I say, uh, government officials have tremendous leverage over private corporations. So when they begin to enter intervene. Uh, and we've seen them intervening all over the place. Uh, take the, Go back to the Hunter Biden computer, which is what a lot of this story has been about. Remember, it was about Twitter killing uh, any discussion of that story, right. including its honest reporting. But the uh, computer repair guy says that uh, the FBI guy uh, said to him, and I've not heard it refuted, um, that people who don't talk about these things, nothing ever happens to them. Well, I mean, I take yeah. that as a threat. Absolutely. You I know, right. and uh, and uh, that person should be called to testify whether he did say it, whether he didn't say it, what it meant, who were his bosses. And remember, when that was turned into the FBI, the FBI did nothing with it. The FBI sat on it and killed us. Yeah, that's problematic. Charles Lipson, got to get to a break. I appreciate it. It's always great to have you on. Thank you so great much. We'll talk, talk soon. Right, take care. I have, uh, I've mentioned Wilford Riley before. He, um, he's been on the show, he hasn't been on in a while, but I like his, um, his Twitter stuff quite a bit. And let me see, I can't remember. I think Wilford's down in Tennessee as a professor, but I'll check that here in a second because I have his site pulled up. But this is what he said on Twitter earlier today, which I think made a lot of sense to me. Some questions that a serious media might want to ask about the Hunter Biden story. Yeah, might as well play along here, Fantasyland, because they won't ask these questions. Um, about the president's son closing international business deals and apparently paying 10% of revenues to a shadowy big guy while smoking ounces of crack and partying with young-looking foreign prostitutes. One question would be, who was the big guy taking 10%? Was it Joe? I believe it was. That aside, is there any evidence Joe profited from any of these deals or that Hunter Biden used his dad's name to secure them? That seems to be a legitimate question, whether you're on the... Uh, the left side of politics or the right side of politics. Number three, did other connections exist? Was um, crack on Air Force Two? Was a White House credit card used for any of this? Number four, we hear constantly about Russian spies. Do we know who these Eastern European women one step away from Joe Biden were? That's a real legitimate question. Were there any suspected assets? Were all of age? Probably. But let's, were any trafficked? For that matter, number five, who was selling 
POTUS's son ounces? It's a good question, too. Now, Wilford Riley kind of closes this out by saying, last, I actually kind of feel bad for Hunter Biden, but we saw him weigh an ounce of pure crack on a Digidel. That's a lot of crack. Who sold it to the president's son? Who was the Russian woman smoking it with him? What deal paid for it? And did POTUS benefit? These are real questions, and I think they are real questions, but you're not going to find real answers. Here's a real question from Peter Ducey today and even some others in the White House press briefing room. The, the president, well, this one, I think the first one was not, um, let's see here. One of them was just shouted out to, to Joe Biden. Let's see if I have the one. Oh, yeah, here it is. Here it is here. I'm going to start with this. So this is Peter Ducey. So the president goes to Arizona, but he's not going to visit the border. Why go to a border state and not visit the border? Because there's more important things going on. They're going to invest billions of dollars in a new enterprise. <laughs> more important things going on. So Ducey following up here with uh, KJP asking these questions. I think this is Peter here. That's what we're calling for, right? We're asking for Republican officials to come and work with us and, and let's have a bipartisan agreement on immigration instead what? of doing political stunts, instead of doing what they're doing, going to the border, not actually coming up with any real ideas uh, about that. Uh, well, that's a Hall of Fame level deflection from KJP, and I guess that that's what she's being paid for in the briefing room. If the president is not going to make time to visit the border during his trip to a border state, will he do it in, in uh, New Year? Look, I addressed this last week about the president visiting the border. I, I'm not going to go beyond what I just laid out. We believe the question, again, as I was uh, just answering to your colleague in the back, uh, is that uh, what are congressional Republicans going to do to actually deal with this issue? That, that's not the, so that's a question that reporters should ask to Republicans. That's a legitimate question. Absolutely legitimate. I think they have answers. How about let's close the border just a little bit, not just let everyone in. That would be one solution. So but the question is, you're your pres- Look, this is a crisis during your administration. The vice president, has anyone seen her recently? Haven't seen her in a while, probably a month and a half. She's leading this effort, right? She hasn't been to the border. Uncle Joe is going to Arizona. It's not too far. He can take an Uber down to the border. Uh, Instead of doing political stunts, that's what we're calling for, right? We're asking for Republican officials to come and work with us and, and let's have a bipartisan agreement on immigration instead of doing political stunts, instead of doing what they're doing, going to the border, not actually coming up with any real ideas uh, about that. So don't be um, don't be so, you know, afraid to go to the border. Outstump the Republicans if that's your position. It's utterly ridiculous. And at least there was somebody other than Peter Ducey who asked that question this morning. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your 
vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.